happening, guys? This is Wade, and we got Mason here today. We're got, we're on a podcast called Let's Think About That. We're glad you joined us, and we're digging into a subject matter about performance in ministry. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about, and it's interesting. I, I come from a work perspective that's outside of ministry and inside the ministry. I've been a pastor of church. I've been a youth pastor. I've for a long time, I've owned my own business. I've had employees, but I've also been an employee. I've I've managed people for performance, and I've also managed people for kind of the service aspect of it. And in in a lot of different cases, and we were just talking about this a little bit ago. That's why I said, let's get this on camera. Um, you have been in ministry, and and you've had one or two jobs working at a church, getting paid. Uh, you're going. You're, you're, you're in between a spot. You're, you're looking at another spot right now to go back into ministry. What part do you see performance? Can we even say performance when it comes to ministry? What you know? A lot of times when I get uh, asked to give a recommendation for somebody, we talk a lot about character. And, and I think that's important. We do that in business as well. We don't want to be stealing, lying, cheating. We don't want somebody not being able to get along with people. Culture is important. We want them teachable. That's not a, a Christian-only perspective. That's just a good way of running your business. But at some point, the conversation switched to, well, how good are they? And, and can they get the job done? And what what have they done in the past? But it seems like, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong, do this... Can you have a conversation like, what have you done? Can you get the job done in ministry? Right. I think it's a, it's a sensitive topic because we want to make sure that the ministry is not like focused around the person. You want to make sure that God's involved and we want to be careful with like that wordage. But I do think that God uses people. And then I also think that the difference between asking someone about their character, like how is this person's character versus how is this person's productivity or their uh, ability to perform, um, it comes down to when I'm explaining your characteristic compared to somebody else, that's a personal opinion. I mean, my personal opinion of your character is different from somebody else's due to the experience. But I think that the performance, you can't argue with the performance, you can't argue with numbers. And so I definitely think that that's something that uh, as lead pastors or as anyone, when you're looking to hire somebody, um, performance should be a priority that you're looking at because it's something that's not based off of someone's personal opinion. It's based off of purely the work that they put into uh, the ministry or into whatever area of life that they're working towards. You know, when you say that, what comes to my mind immediately is we need to put a exception clause in this, that we understand that people with smaller ministries that don't have a lot of results from a, a number standpoint aren't necessarily evil. Right. We understand that there's seasons in ministry. Sometimes there's great growth seasons. Sometimes there's there's seasons where you're digging deeper and, and spending more time with that. And, and, and I, don't, I don't think either one of us would uh, say that, that, oh, we don't believe that. Right. We, we've seen that in our own ministry. Right. Like, we do different things in our own life. But then to somehow use that as an excuse to not exactly. perform exactly. is what we're trying to talk about right. today. Right. Is that, is that, did you see a distinction there? I completely there? agree. I think just because... It's like, it's like a baseball player. Just because in part of the season his batting average is low doesn't mean he doesn't go to play and still try to get it. Right. It's the same thing in your workplace or your ministry. Just because you're going through a season that the numbers may not be where you want them to be isn't a reason for you to give an excuse of like, oh, we're just not going to do that or we're right. just not going to work as hard as we were. Because God gives the increase. Exactly. And our efforts are what we're in charge of. However, that being said, 
Do you think people use that as their excuse sometimes? I yeah, I think so. I think I've seen it before too. Uh, and I always say like, man, God blesses our faithful efforts, our faithful attempts, and um, like faith is believing in something you don't see. So you don't see the growth yet, and so we can use that as an excuse of like, no, nah, it's not going to work. I don't want to do it, or just say we're going to be faithful. We're going to keep doing it even if it's not working right now. And I think in ministry, especially like like having that mindset, like knowing that my work will pay off because it's not up to me, it's up to God, you know, and he's going to bless what we do if we're doing it faithfully with the right heart. So to me, it seems like there's a, there's, how, how do you get yourself to the point of being honest, whether you're putting forth the effort or you're just kind of being lazy right now and you're kind of blaming God for really what your part is? Because I see there's two parts. Certainly there's a God part mm-hmm. that he comes and he gives the increase. But then there's also our part that we're out there sowing seeds. We're out there doing the efforts, learning more, growing more, and doing more that we're responsible. We're not responsible for the seed, but the the, the, the end result part. However, because we're not responsible for that, we we can't dismiss the fact that, hey, we're hustling. Right. I think, man, the biggest thing is like ministry, and people like hate to say it, but I think ministry, it can be such a comfortable position of life for people. And so making sure... Explain that. Let's talk about that. Right. Let's think about that. Okay. So um, comfortable as in, uh, especially, and we don't like to talk about finances in the church, but I do think ministry can be comfortable financially. You may not even be making a ton of money, but ministry is one of the only things that people can be a part of that their performance doesn't determine their paycheck. Wow. Which can be a very comfortable way to live knowing that no matter how many kids I have in my student ministry or how many people I have in my church... I'm still going to get paid the same. And so our natural human like instinct is to do less, right? We're born with the sin nature. And so we're like, man, in the back of my head, if I can do less and still get paid the same and no one's going to say anything about it, like, man, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. And so I think the biggest thing of like being able to hold yourself accountable is like every day finding a way to be uncomfortable. And that's what has helped me is like knowing that the workforce that I'm in is naturally comfortable. It can be naturally comfortable. So how can I keep myself accountable by making sure that I'm staying uncomfortable and keeping my schedule like real tight and neat and making sure that I'm always trying to be productive and because there's so much time in ministry. And you know that. I mean, you're able to start businesses and pipe churches and be a part of churches um, and still have time, you know? And so there's so much time in the just regular everyday life of someone who's in full-time ministry. So how are you using your time? Why do you think... Well, I mean, the pushback would be basically, well, you, yeah, you, you're a young guy. You know, you don't have a family. You don't have, you know, the responsibilities of your husband and wife situation. You don't have all these things. So, of course, you would think that because you're just ignorant of the other responsibility. Well, I think the reason why I think that is because I watched my dad do it. But I was a full-time chemical engineer. He adopted me and my brother from a foreign country. They had to spend time over there before they brought us over here. And he was a husband. They were working on the house. And he was also the student pastor here. And the way that he included his family in the ministry, I heard, I was talking to one guy, um, the place that I was at, he didn't, he wouldn't go to the Friday night football games with his students because he said he needed to spend time with his family. He hadn't seen them all week. And what my dad is, he brought me and my brother with him to the game. He included us in his ministry. And there's this one guy, his name was Big Mike is what we called him. He played like defensive end for the team. And then, like, me and my brother, like, we thought he was the coolest guy ever. And then we thought my dad was the coolest guy ever, too, because he's at the game. We're throwing, like, Dr. Peppers into the stands with him, you know, out of the ice chest. And all these kids are running up to him. Like, man, my dad's cool. Like, and so now, like, when my dad includes his family in the ministry, not only is he, like, um, bonding with us, but he's also, like, creating a team. And he's, like, not having to, 
we say in this show, I'm, I'm alone. He's like, he's not isolating himself in his ministry. He's including his family, which I also think helps him stay accountable. Yeah, so it's kind of, I think what I hear you saying is it's kind of a false choice to say you either had to choose the ministry or you have to choose your family right. or you have to choose this. And I think that's what's posed to us sometimes as we think about balance that, oh, if, if, if you're doing great in ministry, you better, you, you better need to balance these other things. And it doesn't necessarily, that's, that's not a, a, a very good conclusion to come to. Mm-hmm. You could have a great ministry and a great family right. because of the great ministry, but we will often talk about, well, if your ministry's real good, don't sacrifice your family. Mm-hmm. As though that's the only outcome of a good ministry would be a, a failing family because you obviously put too much time and effort and focus right. to your ministry. Let's talk about this um, a little bit. Uh, we talk about, you know, somebody is over overwhelmed with uh, having too many things on their plate, let's say, and they feel that heaviness there. What would you suggest for them to do? Uh, because you, immediately we, we, at a ministry, we say, okay, we just need to kind of forsake some things in ministry and run to our family. Mm-hmm. But in business, <laughs> right, you don't have that option. Right. It's not like you can call in and say, hey, you know, my family life isn't great. And so, you know, give me a few, give me a month off or give me a week off or give me a five, six day. It's like, well, you, I mean, do you have, do you have time coming or do you, do you, right. you I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to them, although, well, you say, well, yeah, because that's not the church. Should it be any different in the church scenario for a person like that? Man, I, I don't I don't think so, because I think, like, the time that you put into your work, ministry, or outside of the church, um, it helps you with your performance, right? The, whatever time you put into it. And so I think, like, difficult times in life, like, at what point has anyone told us, like, when life is hard, stop doing everything? You know, like, doing what you get paid. Exactly right. I, I've never understood that. Like, why is it so different? But why is it so different between the workplace and then the workplace inside the church? It's like, you know, as a gym owner, if you're going through something hard, you can't just be like, "All right, I'm done. I, I need a break." It doesn't work like that, right? And be, and it doesn't work like that because you're putting your work or your whatever you're trying to make at risk. And Does then, that make the people in business more or less spiritual because they don't have circumstances that allow for that? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so at all. Um, but then in the church, I think it would make it less spiritual because we're the leaders who are supposed to be spiritually leading people. And then because we're going through like a rough season in life, we're saying, all right, I'm going to completely disconnect myself from what God is wanting me to do. And like, at what part did God ever say like, hey, when life is hard, disconnect yourself and, and try something else. It's not, it wouldn't be a, not a good steward of the money they're paying you. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. Time that you're yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So I, I, none of us are saying neglect your family. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that because I have a family, right. and you're not saying that because you know it's wrong. Right. But none of us are saying that, oh, well, then just, you know, push through, and, you know, if you get divorced, that's, oh, I guess that's the way it's going to be, or your kids go all bad, and mm-hmm. other, but, it, again, it goes back to those false choices, as though that's the only choices you have. Maybe you learn to do something different in that scenario, but I think a lot of times because we are able to disconnect from our job and still get paid and still go in there and not have the performance and not do those things necessary. We need to spend more time doing that. Maybe because we have that available to us, we don't learn how not to do it that way. Right. And you there you can learn. Maybe we need to stop having so many meetings. Uh, maybe we need to right. stop or maybe have 15-minute meetings instead of 
two hour meetings right. or maybe we we don't have lunch with everybody that walks in the thing or maybe we don't do some specific things and everybody's situation is different and not this isn't a blanket statement on everybody in ministry everybody not but i think right. there's a mindset here yep that, that i think we should really think about as we go into ministry that we have a responsibility to the the the, the resources that we're receiving from the people that are giving to it from god right yeah i think it comes out of like almost like management because, yeah, let's let's say theoretically, like you think that your family or your marriage is dying because you're spending too much time in your ministry. But now the second that you pull away from your ministry, focus on your family, now your ministry is dying. That's not going to be good. Which is also not going to be good, right? But then the comfortable thing is you get to keep your job, even though that's dying, just because of the culture that we've created within the church. Mm. And so I think it comes down to how am I going to manage, uh, being able to manage two things at once. Because, and then for some reason we say as pastors, like, it's just so difficult, but it's like 90% of the world is doing it. Businessmen who are, are in theory are probably more busy with, with more stress, more pressure than we have because their paycheck is based off of their performance. And they also have marriage problems. They also have family problems, plus the pressure of their workplace. And they're still able to do it and they're still able to manage it. And so I just think it comes down to being able to manage not just both things, but manage yourself as an individual. Um, as a Christian, as a leader, as a father, as, as, a, as a husband, um, being able to manage like, okay, I know that I can do this. But I think it comes down to reacting versus responding. Yeah. And I think when we're comfortable, we react. And our reaction is natural. And as, as people in ministry, we know that we're born with a sin nature. And so our reaction is naturally going to be sinful or naturally going to be lazy where we pull back or we make an, you know, we kind of over-exaggerate one way or the other. But our response should take like a well thought out idea, mm-hmm. you know, and how often do as like as pastors, do we actually seek counsel whenever we're struggling. How often do we like go to our lead pastor or our accountability partner? Like instead of saying I need to just get away, how often do we actually like sit down and thoroughly think through how can we how can you help me? How can I help you get through this moment? Instead of just like saying, I need to get out. I need to go. How often do we actually say, how can how can we figure this out? Yeah without eliminating performance from the conversation. Right. Because I think that's, just, that's the easiest thing to go, that I need to cut back on the things that we're called to do and honestly being paid to do mm-hmm. in that scenario. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you used respond and react because, you know, if you take medication right. and you react to that medication, we understand that to be a negative thing. Right. You're reacting right. to it. But if you respond to it, that means the medication is working. And I think the attitude that you go into the problem with is what you're going to receive from the solution. And if you go in this problem, look, man, this is a problem and, and we need to react and, and we over we overcompensate or we do a knee-jerk reaction and, and eliminate something that really was important, that's not useful down the road. What? And it's also developing inside of you a habit mm-hmm. that the next time something comes in, guess what you're more apt to do? The same exact thing that worked for you again. It right. got you out of the problem, but now it's created a left a basis that you can perform on because... You didn't even think through, wait a minute, if I did this, then this, this, this are going to happen. Right. But if there's no consequence, like you said in front of the beginning, you don't lose money. You don't lose your position. People just understand, oh, he went through a problem, so of course his ministry is going to suffer. That's okay. Right. And I'm not saying it is. Listen, first of all, I don't want to say we're experts. No. Because we're just thinking about that, okay? And I, we want you to come alongside with us. I think there's been a lot of helpful things that we've talked about in this conversation, but I don't want you to think, Hey, listen, I didn't do it that way, all right? This happened different. I'm not sure it's an exact science here. I'm not saying you need to do this. All we're saying, trying to say, 
is that performance matters. It matters to God. He keeps track of the numbers. There's 3,000 get saved, 5,000 get saved. There's a whole book of numbers. There's all, all kinds of things that he, he even talks about fruit and he's going to produce more fruit. And if not, he'll cut you, he'll, he'll cut you and throw you away. And, cut, and it's not about the numbers of performance. It could be kids' lives. It could be their character is growing. It could be changes in, in their attitudes. It could be, you know, the people are getting saved, baptisms. There's all kinds of things that you can look at. Uh, uh, your attitude of love and joy and peace and long suffering. Those are all fruits that way. But I'm saying, if you're not seeing a continual growth of those types of things in your ministry and in your life, it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, okay, because I'm having a problem with this, the only solution is to pull back from whatever your ministry might be. Well, I, I, let's talk about this for a second. And when we talk about finances and ministry, I know you get paid for being church. You didn't get paid well, but you, you, were, you had your, your needs met. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, would it be wrong for a pastor to make money? No, I don't think so. You um, see some of these mega church pastors out there. Right. What's your opinion? What the, we're just right. thinking about this. Right. We're not making any graves. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's wrong. Um, because again, I also think that God blesses your faithful efforts, you know, and God's going to bless you, especially, I mean, you think like for some reason in our culture today, we look at mega church pastors and we, for some reason, because it's so big and, and out there, we think it's bad, but it's like, imagine the hard work that it took for that guy. You hear the stories of it, like someone started in his house and then now he's got 5,000 members. Like that didn't just happen because he's an evil person. I don't think it's bad to be paid. I just think it's bad to not be a good steward of the money God's giving you. That'd be a good thing, yeah. And so I think like, yeah, I mean, obviously the larger your church is, the larger, the more your income is going to be as a pastor because there's more people giving and there's more needs maybe that need to be met. But it's just thinking too, like, okay, well, how is he being a steward of this money? But then also, I think a lot of times just from the outside looking in, we don't know what else that pastor does to make an income. They're writing books, they're making podcasts, they're doing, they're doing all these things. They're guest speaking at different churches, they're guest speaking at these large events, like, um, so I just think from the outside looking in, we should be careful with how we judge other people just based off their financial ability. Because if we look again, that comes down, if we're looking at their performance and not their characteristics, their performance is off the chart. Mm-hmm. But now we're looking at their characteristic because they dress a certain way or because they drive a certain way or because they live in a certain area. We think, man, they, they could be doing something different, but look at their performance, right? And that's where we stop looking. If we look at a businessman's the stuff that he has, we think of his performance. You know, we see a, a gym owner or or a bank teller. We judge him based on based that. Off their performance. He's doing good or right. bad. Exactly. He's driving a nice car. Like he must be doing a good job, right? And then we see people in ministry, and we say because they're driving a the car, they're evil, right? Or because they're driving a nice car, like they're not doing something right, or they should be a better steward of their money. But it's like, well, at the end of the day, um, I mean, God can He's continuing to bless them, and so who are we to judge them based off of their characteristics? And we don't even consider to think of their performance and what it took for them to get here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. Only in America would we look at other people and and think, "Oh, that would be too much." Because what you know, you, the the question is, how much is too much? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so if you're in America making fifty thousand dollars a year and you're talking to somebody from, you know, probably eighty five, ninety percent of the other countries in this world. Uh, you're living pretty high, pretty high, and and the fact that you have two cars, your wife drives one, and 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 you have one, and and your kids get to go to a private school, and you got to go. I mean, you 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 might should be cutting back. You know, maybe you have too many shirts, maybe you have too many, you know, watches, or maybe I, I don't know what you have. But I think it's funny that we have our own number to judge somebody else by, but for ourselves, you know, what are we doing with what we have? Right. 
I mean, we talked about from a, the value standpoint of performance, but it's also just to, you know, what's too much? What right. number is too much? If you're going to say, okay, yeah, he was wrong. When we got these pictures, well, as soon as we talk about people having a lot of money, we got each one of us come up with their own picture of, oh, I know what you're talking about. Right. But why are you picking that guy out in your mind? I mean, I had people in my mind I thought about, yeah, what about that guy? Uh-huh. There was a guy that got fired uh, a while back and did a great job, had a wonderful ministry, sold books, did, uh, you know, have videos out there, had, had uh, let me tell you how old this was, but had all kinds of things out there that he generated from a separate ministry, the money that went into the church, more so than he took out. But what was brought out when he got fired because of weird things um, it was the fact that he lived in a million-dollar house. And, and he had all these other things that, that, oh, look at this. And he wanted this vacation over here. And he spent this kind of money. But he didn't draw money from the church. He put way more money into the church than he drew out. But yet immediately the church, what the people that were mad at him went to him, see, see, his heart was wrong because he made money. And, I, and that's what's so funny. I think that it goes on. If, if you're somehow broke and poor, you must be more godly. And sometimes that's the case. I understand the, the biblical context of of the first being last and last being first. I understand several of those, those principles, but it doesn't necessarily equal the same thing. I think that comes back to the excuses that we use in life. And and so I would say like, if someone's doing, like if you're starting to excel in life, people have two options. They can either support you and jump on the train with you, or they're just gonna try to tear you down to feel better about themselves. And and so like you are saying, like, I just, I just, that's just the way I look at it. It's just people who just think like, man, because he's doing better than me, Instead of me supporting him and jumping on the train with him, I'm just going to say he's, he's, he's doing something wrong or he's yeah. evil or there's something that he shouldn't be doing. Too much. Right. Too much, obviously, because he has it and I don't. Right. And that's right. what it comes down to. You know, um, you know I, I think about the whole talent distribution thing. One guy gets one and, and then God sends out the five talents to the other guy and the other guy gets ten talents and the one guy digs a hole and buries it and obviously he's condemned. But what happens with the one talent? I was just talking to somebody yesterday about this and that the one talent didn't give, get, wasn't given to the guy with five. Right. It was given to the guy with ten. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny yeah. that even God based what he was giving that talent to was the one he knows he could get a better return from. Right. That's a crazy right. thought that, right. that as he tells the story, he's telling it from his standpoint. Well, of course I won't give it to one with a 10. Because right. I, but from a socialistic society my, mindset, we would think, oh, you need to spread that other talent out between everybody because that would be fair. And that's, yeah, not, actually, I didn't make that up. I heard that, I think, that with Manus as he was explaining it one time. But it really stuck with me because that's, that's for real. Mm-hmm. That's a great example for us to understand that God's paying attention to our fruit, God's paying attention to our efforts, God's been, and He's blessing us based on our performance. Yeah, hundred percent. I think too, it just comes down to like, what are you willing to do with what God's given you? And so it's like, especially like, man, we live in America. Like, we all have an equal opportunity to do anything. I would say like, you see a lot of like foreign people in America that have nice things because they recognize, wow, there's an equal opportunity to do something in America. They come over and they do it, right? And so same thing, like even in our church society or even just like living in, we all have an equal opportunity to do something with our life. Some people, yes, may have like a little bit easier route than somebody else, but we all have an opportunity to do something and be productive and have a high performance rate. But are you actually like willing to do that? Do you think you're, who you sure you mentioned, uh, people coming from different countries that they maybe are appreciative of, of what? They're, they're entering into and the opportunities they have here. But do you think that surrounding yourself with people 
it needs to be a concern in this conversation. If I'm a low-performing person, generally I'm going to be around other low-performing people. Right. And I'll have meetings with them, and generally our conversations aren't going to be geared towards we need to produce more, which I, not always, but I'm saying in the general sense that that's kind of what it is. And high-performers people may not be, be talking as much about what? What, 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 if we, you're, you're associating with some high performance people, what, what could your blind spot be? I think high, the uh, difference between high performance people and low performance people that I've realized in the conversation. And we realize performance can be understood in a lot of different ways. I realize it's kind of for most people are Christians, so I, I got to be careful on how we say that because right. everyone's going to be saying to us, oh, you think it's all about the numbers. That is not what we're saying. Just that that's a little little clause we're putting in there. Like going back to your thing. I think the from from talking and being in meetings with people who who are operate like at a high performance level and people who operate at a lower performance level is the main conversation I've seen different is that when you go to a meeting of people who perform high, right? The talk is they're talking about or discussing something that they've done. And then when you go to a meeting of people at a lower performance level, they're talking and discussing about something that they want to do. Mm. That's been the biggest difference is that people who perform at a high, a guy named, I think he's named Termozzi, I follow him on Instagram. He was talking about everyone has an opportunity, yes. but when the opportunity is in front of you, it no longer looks like an opportunity, it's now a risk. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So the difference between the high performance and low performance is that they, they see the opportunity and then the moment it turns into a risk, they still like take it as an opportunity to actually go for it. Yeah. But now as a lower performance person, we see the opportunity, it's in front of us, and we say, that is a risk, and now let's talk about all these different things, and then we never... But that doesn't scare them enough not to do it. Right. They just identified it as a risk, so I got to be more uh, uh, proactive on how I approach it, right. as opposed to reactive when it hits me in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, yeah, that, that's good, and so you... So they're more strategic, it sounds like, yeah. in their conversation, as well as... Uh, and it's based on uh, maybe a performance in the past or at least a, a performance of somebody, whereas somebody that in the other, uh, a lower performing or somebody that, that isn't focused on achievement quite as much might be focused more on what? The what could go wrong. Yeah. What could maybe not happen or who could maybe be offended. But I would say, like, you never know. In Like, those are all questions that we don't know until we do it. Right. Right. And so at some point in life, you have to just realize, like, okay, like, yes, I do believe that it's good to sit in counsel and ask questions and maybe think about it before you do it. Yes. But at some point, you have to just do it. And not know all the questions. And not know, because you never will know until you do it. And then once you do it, you get to come back to the drawing table and say, this worked, we're going to keep it. This Like, life is trial and error. Ministry is trial and error. And they say, like... But, dude, there's casualties involved in that trial and error. That's what they're going to say, right? Right, exactly. But then it's like, okay, would you rather, like, try and fix... When you come over across a casualty, I think you can learn from that and figure out how do I prevent casualties for the next time we do something. But also, I think we only focus on the negative. Anytime something goes wrong, we say, well, screw the good stuff that happened. Let's focus on the two things that went wrong. Well, like, what about the 10 things that worked? That's the, that goes back to that false comparison again, as though there wasn't casualties and not doing anything. You don't think, oh, if you did something, there would be casualties. People would have their feelings hurt. People would be bothered by it. So you had to take over. But wait a minute. Is there casualties from not doing something? 
I mean, first of all, if we're getting paid and we're now multiplying out what we're doing, but secondly, people are dying and going to hell. Thirdly, uh, we're being accountable to God with that, and we're not growing in ourselves that way. We're not reaching people. That's a casualty, but it's like that casualty is kind of put on the sideline because, well, you know that one person. Well, you know they could think this. Well, you know this could go wrong. You know this could be a complete failure. You know, people could judge us by this. And it's like, well, what we're not doing, it seems like, is we're not building up the pain that comes from not doing something high enough to compare with the what ifs. Right. Yeah. That's that's uh, That might be something right there. I think so. Yeah, that's cool. Young guy like you, what are you, 20? What? 21. I mean, obviously, again, I ain't never conversation with a 21-year-old. I feel like, why am I talking to this idiot? He doesn't know what he's doing. But he, I, don't, I don't feel that way with you because I've seen you. You literally walked into a youth department of 30 people and or, or, or around that. And and hundred and some less than a year later, I, I, I was at one service with you that 13 kids got baptized. Not a camp uh, time afterwards, just a normal service. Uh, literally, I mean, I saw some amazing things get done. What was your first steps walking into, was it easy? Did you just like, uh, you know, do access? Did, did you get any pushback or anything like that walking into a scenario like that? Yeah, I mean, there's for sure pushback because I think people get so like hung up on what they know and people, that comes down to the risk, right? That people are scared of like taking the risk and taking the next step. But just having the mindset, like there's no, especially in ministry, there's no like just book that says, this is exactly how you do it. And then you're gonna get success guaranteed because Culturally, every church is different. The people in each city are different. Like you have to learn to adapt to the culture you're in. You have to learn to speak the language of the people that you're around. It sounds like a lot of time. Right. And so like what what might work in Texas may not work in New York. Two totally different people, right? But just like chipping away at it and like you said, like it, it's gonna take time. Like you have to um you have to hustle the numbers. Like and you you have to be like you can't just sit in your office all day. That's the one thing that I just so, That's a guaranteed not to work. Right. That, that, There's a one guaranteed not to work is to do nothing. Exactly. To not do anything is guaranteed not to work. Um, but really just like daily figuring out, okay, who could I meet in the community? As as a, as anyone in ministry, like wh- whether whether they're a part of your ministry or not age group wise. So like me as a, as a student pastor, whether this kid is in high school or a young adult or adult, like how can I, instead of just being so focused on youth, right? How can I just be involved in the community? And so... Um, I was thankful that because something builds up steam, gets you into people mm-hmm. with relationships, knowing other people that know things, right. and giving you an awareness of who you're actually dealing with that right. way. I could exactly. definitely 100. Like I became um, pretty good friends with the guy who was uh, who who ran the YMCA's in our in that little area, um, and I was put on the board of the YMCA for a while just through building that relationship with him. And he gave me a free pass, and he told me when students were going into the gym. But if you never like go out and you pursue those relationships then nothing would have ever came from that. Right. Um, and the amount of students that I was able to meet through that at the YMCA, a lot of people say, oh, it's just like lucky he got, but no, you make phone calls, you meet people. I take them out to lunch and you cast a vision to them. I said, look, man, you're in charge of the YMCA. You're in charge of the health of the community. That's my goal too. I want to build the health. You know, you, you have to be able to talk. I, I talk like, uh, I call it uh, like Christianese. Like we talk in all these like big Christian terms that most people like don't understand. And then when we talk that way, we politically separate ourselves from everyone else in the world. So you can't even so, use what they have for you, for exactly. the church. Yeah, I and so, But as a church, I think our mindset should be what, that was my mindset going is, was what resource do I have at the church that they don't have that I can give them? Yeah. Because the more that you continue to give people, the more that you're going to be able to relate and build those relationships with them. 
And so the guy at the YMCA, for example, didn't have someone who was really heading up their youth programs. He said, well, I have the time. I, yeah. I have the ability to. I'm also younger. I can speak the language. So I said, well, let me do it. No charge. Like, let me just come in and help. Because I knew that by helping him, I was going to be able to meet students that I could also. Wow. You didn't just go in there and say, hey, listen, will you give us money so I can do an event at my church? Right. That's right. why right. So a lot of people right. do it. Here, here, uh, you're you're a, a business, so you must have all kinds of money stacked up places. Give me money because I want to give out hot dogs on our Wednesday night program. Mm-hmm. And we were saying, well, the people around this community are really closed off to churches. But instead, you went there and said, I have time to give to you. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they used you. Right. And, and you found an open door as opposed to somebody that was closed off to you. Right. It's cool. like, for some reason in the church, we feel like, because we work with a church, people should give us things. But that's not how it works at all. And, and even just in the everyday, like as a business owner, you can't just walk into a restaurant and say, let me sell my memberships here. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, no, what can you give me like in return? And so same thing with, with Young Life. For some reason, Young Life gets such a bad rap with the church and they're like, oh, they're trying to start their own little church over here and they're closed off to youth pastors. But I was like, yeah, because you walk in and say, can I have all your kids? Mm-hmm. But what I did is I just found them on social media and messaged them, hey, can I come set up chairs? And they're like, yeah, of course. You so did that too. I remember. Right. And I go out, I went up and set up chairs. I set up the curtains for them. And then I just hung around. And then I, it, it got to where I was able to build relationships with the students. And I told the leaders up front, like, I'm not here to take your kids, man. Actually, what y'all are doing is awesome. Y'all are loving on kids. I'm here to just help you. And in return, there were some students that rolled over into the church and, and became like members of our church. And Didn't they even come to your youth department? They even. And, and- and wanted to see what you were doing. Right, and stuff they like that. came yeah. to our youth department, and it, and we didn't go into it as like a mindset of we're trying to shut. I down said youth department. I realized it's called student. Student. Right. Right. We're the old. Right. So kind of work with me. Right. I appreciate oh, yeah. that. That's good. But like we went into it not with the mindset of we're trying to take your kids and make them come to us, but we're just here to help you. I have the we have the time. Kingdom mindset. Kingdom mindset. At the end of the day. We're all on the same team. Whether you do it differently than me or not, we're all on the same team. If we are on the same team, we are on the same team. Exactly. That's the thing. Right. We, we need to distinguish ourselves from people that aren't on the same team, but at the same time, not to the expense of singling out other people that do it differently mm-hmm. that are actually doing it. And I think you're at, that's an awesome thing. Uh, we don't have much more time here. We're, we've, we have to have really good. One more thing. You had mentioned one time we were talking to somebody. I can't remember who it was. And they were said, oh, yeah, I do that. And we were talking about them going to a, a sporting event and, and hanging out with their kids there. And, and you know, which is a, it's an easy thing. You know, every every school has basketball, football, has, you know, uh, 4-H or whatever they have. Different programs that you can connect with it by just by going to maybe one of your kids' thing. Is there a difference from going to an event like that and being successful or uh, what's the word we've been using? Uh, Production, performance, getting a good performance out of it, or going to an event like that, checking a box, and leaving it and not getting much performance out there. Right. I think that was a really good example when you talked to a person about how you did that. Right. I think the biggest thing is like, just like from the broad view before we like jump into that is like, just because you have a gym membership doesn't mean that you're going to be fit. Good point. Right. So good same point. thing. Just because you bought the pass to get into all the games doesn't mean you're going to actually be there to uh, see students and, and help be a part of the, the student culture of that school. Just because you show up, you know, there has to be some type of work that's put into it. And so every every student minister is different. Every youth pastor is different. And so as an individual, you have to look at yourself, say, what do we all have something to offer, right? Whether you're good at basketball or football or not, we all have, I, I'm not good at social media, um, but I had a friend in Missouri who is good at social media. 
And so I called him and said, dude, you have a, a great following, man. Go up to the students and say, can I shoot like free footage for you guys? Right? You have to think like, what can I offer them for free? Yeah. You can't just come in and be like, hey, you guys should come to my thing. They're like, why? Yeah, that's a good point. And so that's what he did. And he became good friends with football players, basketball players. And the rollover has been awesome. They started coming to his event. But it started with because he went in with the mindset of I'm here to serve you, which is what we're called to do as Christians. Not go to a park and give out waters to people there. Real, real service thing, right. but, but meeting real needs. And I was that I've done that. I, I've given waters every March just to give the awareness stuff. I don't think that's wrong, but that's not the only way of doing uh, service ministry. Right. I think giving out water bottles is not, you have to think what's consistent. Yeah. Water bottles is a consistent. Growth comes from consistency. Yeah. So if he's able to, my friend's able to consistently shoot footage two times a week on school campus, yeah. right? And so it's like, you have to think, okay, just when you show up, I would just observe. What does a school need? Do they need someone to mop the floor before the game? I can do that two times a week, every single week. Or if I really like work with them, I can do it every day before their practice. Five days a week, I'm able to be in the school. Would that be crazy to see some dude out there sweeping the fourth uh, before you get on the court that way? Like, that dude's here every day. I've been to someone, or even it's just like, man, do they need an announcer? I can announce, I can announce. Freshman boys, freshman girls, JV boys. JV yeah, because everyone would think, so. but to be an announcer, don't you have to be somebody with status? Yeah, for the varsity game. Right. But for the other game, nobody wants to go out there and keep track of the numbers. Exactly. Nobody wants to do those little right. menial things. They're always looking for parents. And they're like, no, I'm watching my kid. Why do I want to do that? It's like, no, I'll do it. Right. That's good. Right. They need someone to run the scorebooks. They need someone to hit the play on the score clock. They need someone to hit play on the music, right? Like, they need someone to tear down chairs after the game. There's so much that that schools need or any any place in, in the community needs. And as as uh, pastors, like, we have an ability to fill them. You know, what's cool is you came from uh, Vibrant now with your father, but also Lonnie in, at this church, and he is the king of doing that. I mean, right, I, I don't right. know anybody that's not more served. <laughs> more, he tells stories that are like, dude, you, you, I'm tired listening to your story. That's a lot of work, but he loved it. And then that's what that's what he did to build his, his church that way. Um, and I guess it's no wonder that you would have the same abilities that, right. that he would that way based on seeing that and being around that. Well, guys, listen, we covered a lot this week. I, uh, uh, so I, I'm grateful for you. And again, we'd love to have you come back and see you next time. Listen, if you like this social media uh, podcast, I guess you're supposed to share it. Is that what they do? They share it? Yeah. Or they put comments on it? Repost and share it. Yeah, I'm not good at this, but I'm sure Mason's getting better too. So thank yeah. you. Have a good day.